Hey class, Prof JC here, and um, I just wanted to share with you that before we dive into what we're going to talk about today, uh, I was out on the water today. I, I, I love to kayak. It's one of my favorite things to do, and, and so today I was out on Mission Bay, perfect day today. Um, it, it's been really nice to have a great summer. Those of you who live here in San Diego, uh, it's been just kind of a weird year, kind of cold, cloudy a lot of this year, so now to have the sun opening up, all this heat, I'm... I'm a huge fan of the heat, and uh, so I'm excited about this. But I'm out on the kayak, and it's my it's my favorite place to think, process, even plan. I have a little black book that I bring out there with me, and I'll stop. I've got this little cove that I go into, and after I'm you know done some kayaking, I'll stop in that cove, and maybe I'll take a nap, or I'll get that little black book out, and I'll think, plan, journal, whatever it is. But I was thinking about all of you today, and I mean this. This is you know. Um, not just saying this, but I, I just have so much respect for the journey that you're on. Um, getting the bachelor's degree, getting this bachelor's degree in leadership. I know that for most of you um, in this in this course, um, you have big plans for kind of where you're going in life. And I also know that that many of you were kind of like myself, where uh, you took a non-traditional path to get to college. And that was kind of my story. I went to the military first and then got out. And, and to be honest with you, I, I messed around for a couple of years, got kicked out of two different colleges because of grades and all that. And then finally made it out to California, went to, went to community college. And that's where life began to kind of work itself out for me. And, and I know some of you have maybe not that same story, but you have a similar story. And so I just wanted to just say today how, um, if I can say this, if you'll hear this from me, how proud I am of all of you, of your work, of your journey, and the work that you're trying to do to become the leader that you're trying to become. And uh, so just keep it up. And I, I don't know where you're at in your in your program, if you're close to graduation, if you have a little bit more. Uh, I know that doing this is not easy, especially for those of you who have got families, you've got full-time jobs, you've got spouses, partners, kids. Um, it's not easy work. And I have been in your shoes, and so I have a lot of respect for you doing. So keep at it. Let's stay at it. Uh, really enjoying this class and the work that you're doing. All right. So I think I messed up in where we're at in the book, but we're just going to go with it. So we're in chapter six in the John Maxwell book. And today we're going to talk about this idea of uh, what we're always talking about connecting. But today we're going to talk about this idea of common ground, how to find common ground. And so the first thing we want to talk about is four barriers to finding that common ground. But let me start back at the beginning when John Maxwell, uh, he starts off the chapter and here's what he had to say. He says, if I had to pick a first rule of communication, the practice above all others that opens the door to connection with others, it would be to look for common ground. That rule applies whether you're resolving conflict with your spouse, teaching a child, negotiating a deal, selling a product, writing a book, leading a meeting, or communicating to an audience. And then John says, I've already explained how in the first several years of my career as a leader and speaker, my focus was too much on myself. And John goes on and he says, and only when I started to realize that connecting is all about other people did I start to improve. It's difficult to find common ground with others when the only person you're focused on is yourself. That's a really good point. And right now I'm watching a podcast, John Maxwell, he's talking with a gentleman by the name of Kerry Newhoff, and he's talking about his new book that's also on communication. 
and maybe the next time we do this class, we'll get his newer book on communication. But he really hits that point home. And this is what we've talked about several times in this class. You can't focus on others. You can't add value to others when the focus is on yourself, right? So the the foundation of all leadership, the foundation of all communication, of all connection is making about other people. So let's read about the four barriers to finding that common ground. And that's one of the key aspects is to find common ground between you and the other person. He says this, people who connect are always searching for common ground. That probably seems obvious because all positive relationships are built on common interests and values. Uh, they build upon agreement, not disagreement. But if that's true, why do so many people neglect to search for common ground and build up on it? There are many reasons, but I'll give you what I believe to be the top four barriers to finding common ground, and you must guard against them. So here's number one, common ground. Uh, the first barrier to finding common ground is this assumption. Assumption. I already know what others know, feel, and want. Assumption. I already know what others feel. Excuse me. I already know what others know, feel, and want. He goes on to write this. Jerry Ballard says, all miscommunications are the result of differing assumptions. And haven't you found that to be true? Sometimes the results are tragic. Often they can be comical, right? Um, you've probably had this before. When we make an assumption, you've probably heard this, uh, the, the saying before, when you make a, an assumption, you make, I'll just say, you make an ass out of you and me, right? You've probably heard that one before. And so it's 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 really important to not make assumptions about other people. But when we're making assumptions, the foundation of all of that typically is pride, right? Which is the opposite of humility. And humility is really the foundation of all connecting. Pride is saying that I, I got this. I already know what this person's like. I already know what they're coming to the table with. I know I know how they feel. Uh, I know what they know. I know what they want, right? So that's the it's that kind of that arrogant that arrogant attitude. Okay. So that's number one. When we come to the table with some kind of a, an assumption and we're assuming that's going to get us into trouble, right? Number two is this arrogance, arrogance. And here's what this means. I don't need to know what others know, feel, or want. That's arrogance, right? And arrogance kind of goes into that first one we just talked about, but this is actual arrogance. I don't really need to know. It doesn't matter to me. I'm getting ready to connect with this team. I'm getting ready to lead this new team. I'm getting ready to, and instead of listening, instead of having conversation, instead of being open to feedback, I, I don't really care what they have to say. And I, I don't need to know, right? That's arrogance. He says this, arrogant people seldom meet others on common ground. Why? Because they don't make the effort. They believe they shouldn't have to. In their estimation, they live on higher ground uh, than other people do. They don't want to lower themselves to other people's level. They expect everyone else to make the effort to come to them. One of the secrets is uh, of getting along with others is just taking into consideration other people's perspectives, other people's views. Now, here, now here, here's the thing. You don't have to accept other people's views, but it's really arrogant to say, I don't, I don't need to know. Okay. Someone starts to explain their perspective. They start to explain how they're seeing the world, how they're seeing this decision, they're seeing, you know, whatever it may be. And the first thing you do is just, you know, your mindset says, I don't really need to know. I don't, it's, 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 it's not for me to know this. I don't care. Right. 
you can't find common ground that way, which means that there's no connection with that other person when we've got that kind of mindset. It's one of the reasons why politics, which I think is fascinating, and I think more people should be talking about, I know in our Western society, we say all the time that, you know, the two things you should never talk about are politics or religion. I think that's our privilege. That's the privilege that we have in the United States of America. Most countries can't get away with that. They have to talk about politics. They have to talk about religion. Their religion is what defines their politics. Their politics literally keeps the lights on. See, you and I don't have that problem if we live here in America because we don't, you know, it's not something we have to talk about. Um, and so what I've always said is what we need to do is learn how to talk about politics, how to talk about religion, as opposed to this kind of mindset right here. And what this is, is right here, it's that arrogance. This is what gets people in trouble. It's not talking about politics. It's not the, it's, you know, it's not the differing views. It's the arrogance that both people come to the side and it's both sides. It's both sides. Um, without giving away my um, my own p political leanings i grew up one way and um i moved out to california and just living in southern california changes your world once you i've been out here 17 18 years now and it changes your perspective on everything it just it just it just has to if you're going to if, if you're going to survive out here if you're going to stay out here you begin to see the world different and so that's kind of what happened to me now, growing up with the views that I heard, they came out of a lot of vitriol and anger. And I remember sitting in a lot of rooms because politics was big. You know, I thought I was actually going, you know, going to go into politics. That was kind of my my original goal. I'm I'm just so I'm I'm so passionate about it. I think it's important to talk about. But I remember growing up, and I remember the vitriol that came out of people's mouths when they talked about the other side. And so then when I came out to California and kind of moved to the to the other side, I would go to some of the meetings and I was amazed to see that same level of vitriol coming out of their mouths. Now it was pointed back to this other side. And that's one thing that got me really frustrated with with politics was this. It's just the arrogance of both sides. I'm not going to listen to what you have to say. Right. I don't need to know what you believe i don't need to know what you think i don't need to know your experience both sides have this um i almost ran for office one time no actually i did run for office i pulled papers and did all that and i remember sitting down with one of our elected officials here in san diego county and she told me she said just be careful if this is what you want to do it's 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 like the third and fourth grade and you know what she was right i remember going to a lot of these meetings and again you, uh, you had to go out there and you've got to try to raise support and you've got to try to raise you know try to get votes and and people to come to your side and and i remember going into these meetings and, and what she said was ex was exactly right it felt like being back in the third or fourth grade again arrogance both sides number three is this the number third barrier to finding common ground and, and this is why again in the political world that we live in you know two people can't come to a table and sit and have a conversation because they don't want to find common ground because of that arrogance okay i need to get off my soapbox here the the number three barrier is indifference I don't care to know what others know. I don't care to know what other people feel. I don't care to know what other people want, right? Again, all of this kind of has this arrogance and pride that 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 underlines it, right? But that indifference, that that's going to get us in trouble. Um he he writes this story here 
let me just read through some of this right here. <clears throat> many years ago, so this is John Maxwell speaking. He says, many years ago, John, uh, or excuse me, Margaret and I, so he's talking about his wife, took our children, Joel Porter and Elizabeth, to Russia. And at the time, the country was in transition with the fall of the Soviet Union. I was given the important speaking engagement within the Kremlin. That's very cool. And as I prepared for it, I racked my brain trying to think of ways to connect with my audience. Then it hit me, our daughter, Elizabeth. Uh, she, so he's talking about his daughter has a wonderful voice and was looking for an opportunity to, to sing to the Russian people. So his daughter, Elizabeth, practiced long and hard learning phonetically to sing a song. At the event, when she got up to sing, the, the audience came to life as soon as they heard Russian words coming out of her mouth. The energy in the room intensified immediately, and when she was finished, their applause was deafening. It meant a lot to them that she made the effort to connect with them in their own language. What former South African President Nelson Mandela said is true. says, if you talk to a man in the language he understands, or she, talk to a woman in language she understands, that goes to his or her head. If you talk to him or her in their language, that goes to the heart. I, I think what they're meaning is if I talk to you in my language, right, it might go to their head. But if I talk to them in their language, it goes to their heart. I think that's what that means. The bottom line is that indifference is really a form of selfishness. That's another word that, that we need to use today. Pride, arrogance, selfishness, right? These are all the things that keep us from finding common ground with other people. Communicators who are indifferent are focused on themselves and their own comfort instead of extending themselves uh, instead of on extending themselves and finding the best way to relate to others. If you have a hard time uh, connecting with people because you haven't made the effort to, if you have a hard time connecting with people, it's because you haven't made the effort to get to know them. Then heed the words of English novelist, George Eliot, try to care about something in this vast world besides the gratification of small selfish desires. Try to care for what is best in thought and action, something that is good apart from the accidents of your own lot. Look on others' lives beside your own. See what their troubles are and how they are born. Most people appreciate any effort you make, no matter how small, to see things from their point of view. That's that's really important. So this this mindset of indifference, it, and again, he he said it clearly, comes from this attitude of selfishness. Me, 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 me. And it will get you in trouble every single time. Every single time. Um, finding common ground means that we need to have that mindset that says, hey, you, you know, not being indifferent, which means not saying I don't care to know. Right. I don't I don't care to know. It's instead of saying that, it's I do want to know. I do want to know what people know. I want to know what they feel. I want to know what they want. So that's the third barrier. Here's the fourth barrier, control. I don't want others to know what I know, what I feel, or what I want. <clears throat> Finding common ground, John Maxwell says, is a two-way street. While it's important to focus on others to understand them, it's also critical to be open and authentic so that others understand you. Okay? Comes down and it says, um, what well says right here, of course, not all leaders and communicators are willing to do this. As author and former U.S. Navy Captain Mike Abershoff observes, some leaders feel that by keeping people in the dark, they maintain a measure of control. But that is the leader's folly and an organization's failure. Secrecy spawns isolation, not success. Comes down and it says this, anytime that employees sense that information is being kept from them, 
and that they do not have a part in achieving the organization's goals. They feel like outsiders. As a result, their morale drops and so does their performance. Likewise, when audience members, if you're giving a talk, sense that the speaker is holding back or prides himself or herself on being on the inside but doesn't include the audience, people feel alienating. You know what's interesting is um, uh, I'm watching a church service tonight um before i got on to record this it's it's a church called shadow mountain community church out in east county and uh i used to be on staff there many years ago well 10 12 years ago and uh tonight they have this great speaker who was uh he's a pastor at um at the first baptist church in atlanta georgia and i started following them because um their founding pastor was a gentleman by the name of uh charles stanley and uh i grew up with charles stanley he passed away this year and so because of that i was introduced um through online i was introduced to their new pastor and i was really impressed with him his speaking abilities and kind of who he is at the very end of the message this weekend when he gets up and he speaks uh, he tells a great story. He's talking about what, you know, whatever it is that he's talking about during the message. And then he gets to the end of the message and he brings it all home by telling this great story about something he's been wrestling with in the past week that surrounded anxiety and worry and all this kind of stuff. And I'm saying that because you can watch, you can watch the message. And now this is a tough church. I, I was on staff there for about four, four and a half, five years about 10 to 12 years ago, they have a really great senior pastor. So they don't like a lot of guest speakers to come. Now they'll come listen in their polite audience, but they really love to hear their senior pastor because he's so good and he's worldwide uh, known. They gave this gentleman tonight who showed up, they gave him a standing ovation at the end of the message. And I think it's because after a great message that he gave, he brought it all home, but he shared his own story. He shared his own journey. He 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 didn't stand up there with his mindset. I'm better than all of you, and I don't have these issues that we're talking. No, he said, I'm preaching this to you tonight because this is what I'm wrestling with in my own life. And here's something that I just happened to me, right, here in San Diego and some things that I'm, you know, and, and it was very cool to see that. And he brought that home. So again, it's it's releasing that control. And it kind of goes back to what Dr. Brene Brown, if you ever listen to what she has to say, she's a phenomenal. Uh, speaker out there as well, psychologist. She's a professor, and she talks about the importance of authenticity. You know that leaders have to be authentic with their people, and the one thing that keeps us from being authentic with our people is that need for control. Right? Uh, I need people to see me in a certain way. I need to act a certain way. I need to talk a certain way all the time, and I will never, I will never let this down because I don't want people to see me in a different way. That that makes people actually not trust us. It has the opposite effect. And so all of these are very important. These are the barriers for us finding common ground. So again, here's what I want you to do is just list off what are those four barriers. Um, just list them off. Boom. And, and tell me what it means. And then which one resonates the most with you? Um, maybe something that you've tried to overcome in your own life. Like, for instance, so I'm asking you to do that. I will tell you. Uh, that probably the one that I struggle with the most, I'm asking you the same. So I'm just going to say it from you probably is that probably not so much any more control. I, I think I've, I've, I'm learning, I think it's still at my stage to kind of give that up, especially in classrooms that you come in with the plan, but, but you may not, you know, somebody might say something in a classroom and you gotta, you gotta release control and let the classroom move it in that direction. So I'm learning how to do that better. 
that's more for live classrooms, right? It's 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 uh, much more controlled in an online environment. But arrogance, if I'm honest with you, I'd say that arrogance, I don't need to know what others know. I don't need to know what others feel. I don't need to know what others want. That was something I wrestled with a lot. If I'm not careful, it even still gets in there today, right? I tend to be a kind of a hard driver. I, I push myself very hard. If I'm not careful, I push the you know people around me extremely hard. And so that arrogance comes through when somebody says something, you know, hey, I need to talk to you about this, or I've you know I've got a concern here, or I, you know, and I'm just like I don't I don't really need to know what you have to say, right? That that's I think I've even said that before, and I'm ashamed to say that to myself. So I want to know from you, what are all four that we just listed? What are the barriers to to finding common ground? And for you, which one stands out to you is the one that you need to work on the most? All right, hey, thanks so much for listening. I'll see you in the next podcast. Take care.